Welcome back to the Yellow Box Podcast. This week, we are joined by community pastor John Sisniewski as we continue our series, Reasons. For more information, please visit us at www.communitychristian.org. And remember, you can always find us on Sundays at the Yellow Box at 9.30 a.m., 11.15 a.m., and 5 p.m. We hope to see you there. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? Yeah, it is so good to be here at the Yellow Box. As John said, I spend most of my time at our Plainfield location. Show of hands if you visited the Plainfield location recently. All right, so quite a few of you. Now, that means I don't get a chance to interact with many of you on a consistent basis. In fact, I think the last time I was here on this stage was maybe a year and a half ago. And uh, so, but that doesn't mean that I'm not interacting with all the people that you know and love, the very people that you see here on stage. We are a multi-site church, many different locations, and every week our staff team meets here primarily, and we interact. So John Hughes and I, we interact all the time. How about this guy? Here's a familiar face that you might recognize. Anybody know who that is? Yeah, Patrick. This guy is a big, big thinker. He's the leader of our New Thing Network, starting churches and movements all around the world. In fact, I was going through uh, just chatting with people on the way in, and I met his mom, Nancy, who's sitting right over there, and I had no idea. How about that? Uh, Maybe you recognize this guy. I work with this guy all the time. What's his name? Yeah, Jeff, right? He is your creative arts director, but he is also our champion making the arts across all locations Excellent week in and week out. We caught up in an uh, apple tree farm last year, and he bought me all those donuts. Wasn't that nice of him? Yeah, it was really, really good. I hang out with this guy quite a bit. You know him, right? Yeah, I don't know where Ian is today, but I'm here. I'm sorry. Ian's not. And then how many of you recognize this guy? Co-founding pastor John Ferguson. Now, uh, you know, by the way, uh, John Ferguson, 21 years ago, when my wife and I started coming, invited me to the very first small group, changed my life forever. If you're not in a group, I want to encourage you. And he's got new glasses there, and he was a little self-conscious, and I said, no, John, they look really good. Send him a text, something on Facebook, let him know those glasses look good. Now, I get to spend a lot, a lot of time with the most influential person at Community. Do you know who I'm talking about? Nobody said Dave. Not Dave Ferguson. This lady right here. How many of you recognize her? Pat Massick, if you want anything done at Community Christian Church, you've got to be on Pat's good side. She's here today. She is a yellow box attender. She leads the prayer team. I covet your prayers. And then just real briefly, a picture of my family here so you kind of know who I am. So that's my wife. Many people know Amy. She's a lot nicer than me. Uh, she's cuter. Uh, we're going to be married 25 years this October. That's quite an accomplishment. And we have three teenage boys, so we covet your prayers. That's Jacob, Joshua, and Jonathan, but they're not in order, so one's taller than the other. But anyway, uh, that's a little bit about us. I'm curious, uh, show of hands, if you're the kind of person who puts bumper stickers on their car. Bumper stickers. Five of you put bumper stickers. All right, well, raise your hand if, if you're the kind of person that likes when other people put bumper stickers on their cars. Yeah, and we like to read them. So I came across a, a few this week that I thought were interesting. Uh, how about this one? Very thought-provoking. What if the hokey pokey is... I just didn't know what to do with the rest of my day. I just kept thinking about that over and over again. 
Uh, this one was great. I came across this one, right? Honk if you love Jesus. And I saw that, and so I decided to take the guy seriously, so I honked. And you know what he did? Flip me off. Yeah, I mean, seriously, come on. I came across this one, and it just made me shake my head. What do you do with that? Do you even know what that means? I'm not quite sure. I have air conditioning, but I'm a big fan of prayer. And then sometimes bumper stickers, they try to be helpful, but really, I think they just offer pat answers to... I would just call complex questions like this one here. Now, I'm happy for the person that has that on their car. I'm, I'm glad that they are blessed to be depressed. But what if you're depressed that day? I mean, what if you're clinically or chemically? Or what if you just lost a spouse? Or, and then, you know, you pull up behind this car and, and you're like, so I'm not blessed? But you are And, you know, that can be just, I mean, it can be really discouraging to see that bumper sticker wisdom, I think, is rarely helpful. In fact, I think it can be downright destructive. And maybe you're wondering why we're talking about bumper stickers today. Well, as John said, we're going to continue in this series called Reasons, where we're tackling some of the biggest, most challenging questions of the Christian faith. And we promise not to give a bumper sticker answer to these questions. And we recognize up front that these are difficult, and they require some study and some consideration and some prayer before, you know, you can just dive in and just offer kind of that pat bumper sticker kind of an answer. We're asking big, big questions like the first week, in case you missed it, we asked the question, you know, is Jesus the only way? Now, you might be wondering, right, you're here in a Christian church, well, why would we tackle that? Well, we tackled it because 65% of people who claim to be Christian, don't think that Jesus is the only way. It's an oxymoron. I don't even know how that's possible. And so we wanted to ask and answer that question. If you missed it, you know, watch it online, uh, download the podcast. But that was some great stuff. Last week was perhaps one of my favorite talks that we've done in the last year or two. I felt like our teaching team really brought their A game. We had some solid, solid information. We asked and answered the question, can I trust the Bible? Can I trust the Bible? And if perchance you missed it or you know somebody who really needs to hear that, again, watch it online or download it and listen to the podcast. But today, today's a doozy. Today is a big, big question that we're going to ask and and answer, not with a bumper sticker answer, but here it is. How could a good God allow evil and suffering? How could a good God allow evil? evil and suffering. And sometimes when that question gets asked, people want to kind of just give, you know, a bumper sticker answer. They want to shrug their shoulders and just say something like, well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And I don't believe that. I don't believe that everything happens for a reason. And I don't believe that that answer is going to do a whole lot of good for somebody who's in the midst of struggling or suffering And in fact, I think an answer like that, a bumper sticker answer, can actually be a stumbling block to a person's faith, to a person who is genuinely trying to find his or her way back to God. But it's not just a bumper sticker that that can be an obstacle to our, our spiritual journey. I think, even unintentionally, I think the media can sometimes be a stumbling block. How many of you remember that tsunami that hit Southeast Asia several years ago? It was considered to be one of the worst natural disasters perhaps in our lifetime. An estimated 240 to 280,000 people lost their lives like that. And it's tragic. And it does make you wonder how 
could a God, a good God, allow something like that to happen? Well, shortly after that event, uh, there was a reporter for a national news syndication, and he wrote, and I quote, If God is all-powerful and all-loving, he would have and should have stopped that from happening. But he didn't. So he either could have and he didn't, or he couldn't have stopped it, even though in his love he really wanted to. And in the face of so much suffering in the world or perhaps something that is going on in your own life right now, I think we can identify with that. You know, we, we have these questions and, and we're wondering and, and then we hear something like that and it causes us to stumble. And it might even cause us to lose our faith when we hear other people say something like that. It seems either a powerful God is not good or a God, our God is not powerful at all. But it's not just bumper stickers and news reports that I think disappoint. I think oftentimes, even well-meaning, good-intentioned people can disappoint. I think it's possible for us in this room, myself in particular, I think there are occasions where we can be these stumbling blocks, these obstacles. And so right up front, again, I just want to reassure everybody, we're not going to give a bumper sticker answer to this particular question And instead, if if you'll allow me, what I'd like to do is I'd like to take the truth that we have available to us and and, and go back in time and and see what it has to say. Let's take a look at the past. And then after we examine the the truth from our past, we're going to take a look at some truth that is promised for the future. And then as as those two sort of intersect, you know, that's going to meet us right where we're at. And I think the truth from the past and the future is going to give us some encouragement for right where we're at today in the midst of this pain and suffering. So if you'll allow me, let's get started. When people ask the question, why does God allow suffering? I think that we think the implication is that God should not have created a world where there was evil and suffering. Just sort of nod if that sounds familiar. That's kind of how I feel. And I, and I agree, right? I don't like suffering. And most of the people I know don't like suffering, so I get it. But I think it's super important for us to understand. See, we gotta go back in time and we gotta look at what the truth is. See, in the beginning, in the very beginning, God did not create a world with evil and suffering. He created a perfect world. And if we open up our Bibles to the book of Genesis, you know, chapter one, verse 31, it's there we read, God saw all that he made and he said that it was very good. And good doesn't mean like, you know, good quality versus bad quality. Good means perfect and flawless. You know, there's no imperfections whatsoever. There's no sickness and there's no death and there's no war and there's no crime. There's no loneliness. There's no divorce. There's no sadness. That's the world that our loving and all-powerful God created in the beginning. But it's easy for us to forget that, isn't it? But at the same time, I think I need to point out that that is the world that God created. But God also did something in the very beginning. And God knew that in order for there to be a loving relationship, this willing, you know, voluntary loving relationship between God, the creator, and his creation, you and I, but also between all of us here, his created beings, he had to give us the ability to choose, And oftentimes we refer to this as as free will. So God had to create this free will in order for there to be true, genuine, perfect, not forced, but genuine love. And I think as we all know, with that choice, with this free will came the possibility of evil. And so our freedom to choose is in fact how so much 
of the suffering and the evil has become a part of this world. And that's because people, you and I, all of us, for all generations, we've turned against God and we followed our own selfish desires. And, and when we did that, right, literally all hell broke loose, spiritually speaking and relationally speaking, but even physically speaking, God gave us dominion and he put us as stewards over the earth. And when we make choices that go against the will of God, we shouldn't be surprised when things just go to hell in a handbasket. Right There's going to be suffering. When the first humans rejected God's way, God himself said, what is this you have done? What is this that you have done? And the truth is, I I believe so much human suffering in our world is directly or indirectly related to or or a result of our, our choices that you and I make, that free will. So whenever a person is victimized by crime or war, somebody is going against the will of God. And any time a person is emotionally or physically abused, somebody somewhere is going against the will of God. And any time a person is abandoned or left fatherless, somebody is going against the will of God. So much human suffering in our world is the result of human choice, even indirectly. And it makes me think about how right now on planet Earth, so many people are starving to death children and adults and in third world countries in particular. And it boggles my mind because you know this and I know this. We have the research. We have enough food on planet earth right now to feed 10 billion people. But the last estimate is that there's only 7 billion people on planet earth. And things like this make me think about, you know, preventable diseases like malaria and waterborne illness, those sorts of things that here in the United States, we have the technology to solve it and to literally eradicate it. And when I think about those things, I think of something that somebody told me once, and I'll never forget this, and I hope you won't, but, you know, people come to God and they say, God, how could you allow so much suffering in the world? And God looks at his people and he says, I don't know, how can you? And do you see, he's already given us the resources and the ability to solve so much of it, to eradicate so much of it. I think the biggest problem is a combination of greed, political corruption, and apathy that keeps us from getting the food to the people who need it most and the medical treatment for those that are most vulnerable. So I think more than we might even realize, so much of the suffering comes from human choice and not from God. We want to blame God, but it's because of human choice. God made the world the way he wanted, and it was perfect. But because of our choices, we have created this place into the suffering world that it is today. Now, of course, I know there is suffering that is so deep and so painful and so hurtful that it's not even a result of human choice. And and it's, it's actually just sort of inexplainable. And I can't even begin to offer, you know, a bumper sticker answer or even a well-thought-out answer for some of it, because I think some of it is just, you know, unexplainable. We can't even comprehend it. But I will say this. I don't believe, I don't believe everything happens for a reason. But here's what I do know. And maybe this will be encouraging. I do know that as we look back, as we look back, that hell that so many people are walking through at various times in their life, that's not the way God created it. That's not the way he intended it. And so much of the suffering that we are experiencing is a result of human choice. So 
with this big question, I think we can look back and we can see and we can all agree that the evil and suffering, a large part of it was not God's dream for creation, but we can also look ahead. And if we look ahead, there's some truth. If we open up our Bibles and we can see that the world is not always going to be the way it is today. And if we were to open up our Bibles to the book of Revelation, the very last book in the, in the New Testament of the Bible, the apostle John is the author, and, and we're familiar with John. John is Jesus' closest friend and follower. And John was the one who was an eyewitness to the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus. He was the one who stood at the cross with Mary, Jesus' mother, and he was the one who cared for her. John knows what it's like to, to be in the presence of the Holy Spirit and to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And later on in John's life, much after the, the resurrected uh, or the resurrection occurred, John is, get, he gets this vision from the Holy Spirit and he writes these words down as an encouragement for all of us. And he says in part, he says, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne of heaven saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And he will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain, for the old order of things has passed away. It's a prophetic word. It's a vision that John received. And just as we read Old Testament prophecy, and, and we know today that every bit of it has come true, every I was dotted and T was crossed, this too will come true. This is our future. This is what we have to look forward to. And those words there that John writes, they make me think about um, a line from the Lord of the Rings. How many of you are Lord of the Ring fans? All right, yeah. So the trilogy. Now, I'm not talking about the movies. I'm talking about the books because sadly the movies sort of, you know, eliminated this line and they shouldn't have, but here it is. With tears in his eyes, Sam, Sam looks at Gandalf and he says, I thought you were dead, but then I thought I was dead myself. Is everything sad going to come untrue? And when we look ahead at the writings that John has in Revelation, we can see Jesus answering that question with a resounding yes. Yes, everything that is sad is going to come true, untrue. Everything that is suffering is going to come untrue. Everything that is evil is going to become untrue. And again, I don't know what it is that you might be going through today, and I don't know what suffering you're enduring, but I do know this, no matter what evil you and I are encountering, no matter what suffering, it will not have the last and final word in our lives. You see, from the moment that we destroyed God's dream in the world by, by choosing and, and, and going our own way and, and going against the will of God, God has been working since the very beginning to restore and reconcile the world that he originally created and intended, but not by taking away choice or free will, but rather by entering into this world of pain, suffering, and evil through the person of Jesus. You know, Jesus, God in the flesh, takes on flesh and blood, and he lives among us, and he's pointing us the way back to the Father, and he dies on a cross so that your sin and my sin, for every time we have rebelled and gone against God, could be forgiven. And then in the greatest twist in all of history, he comes back to life, proving that he has the power over death, but not just the power over a death. It, it proves that he has the power over our current pain 
and suffering. And reflecting on what God accomplished, the Apostle Peter, he writes, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us, given this new birth into this living hope through the resurrection of Jesus and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. And so, yes, through Jesus, we can live the promised hope of a future that is going to be free of pain and suffering and evil. Yet looking back at the world that God created and and looking forward to the world that he promised still leaves us in this present world. And this is a world filled with lots of evil. And it's a world that is, is filled with unexplainable suffering. And so then, how do we navigate this world? That's the question. You know, how do we all live in this present world? Well, as I mentioned, Jesus showed us what it looks like to be fully human. But I think we often forget that. I think we, we, we understand that, that, you know, he's God in the flesh, but I think that, that, that we think that Jesus can't relate to what we're going through. We always just think of him as, as you know, God and, and less human, but Jesus experienced everything that you and I experience. And I think it's helpful if we understand that, that he can relate because then we can come to him. For example, in, John, in Mark's gospel, he says in the garden before his arrest, Jesus was deeply distressed and troubled. He even says, overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. Jesus knows what that's like. And then Luke in his gospel says that his stress was so overwhelming that he literally sweat drops of blood. Have you ever done that? That's significant, isn't it? And Luke goes on and and he says he begged the father to save him from what he was going through. We can relate. We've all been there. And Jesus was there himself. And in Matthew's gospel on the cross, he says that Jesus cried out in despair, feeling abandoned and no longer having that close connection with the most valued relationship that he had with the Father. See, Jesus knows firsthand what it's like to feel despair and rejection and loneliness and grief and torture and pain. And he didn't numb himself to it. And he didn't hang on the cross and shrug his shoulders and say, oh, everything happens for a reason. No, not at all. No, he experienced it. And he lived it. And so as we deal with the suffering in our own lives, you know, what does this mean for us? Well, it means that Jesus understands our pain. He identifies with us in our suffering. And while Jesus' suffering doesn't answer the question, you know, how could a good God allow evil and suffering in this world? I think it does tell us what the answer is not. And what the answer is not is Jesus, it's not because Jesus does not love us. That's what it reassures us. And, and I like the way author and pastor Tim Keller says it. He says, it can't be that he, Jesus, is indifferent or detached from our condition. God takes our misery and our suffering so seriously that he was willing to take it on himself. You see, Jesus, he, he understands our pain here. He's with us in our suffering. And, and I don't have any easy answers for you today, but when it comes to evil and suffering that we face in this present world, my first encouragement is this. Let's find comfort in Jesus. Can we just agree to turn to him? Let's bring our sorrow and our stress and our pain and our despair to him. But as I say that, I know that for many people in this room and, and all throughout the Chicagoland area, We don't know how to do that. We didn't grow up in a Christian home, and we didn't have a mom or a dad who modeled for us, you know, what it looks like to find comfort in Jesus, and I know I didn't. 
And maybe like you, I, I kind of had to figure it out myself. I started going to church and, and I started just you know, p- sort of putting the pieces together. And so, you know, when I was just a young adult and I sat, you know, in the oncologist's office with my mom and, and my dad and, you know, I hear the oncologist say to her, there's nothing more I can do for you. And so in that moment, I did the only thing that I knew I could do. And I said, mom, dad and I are gonna be with you until the very end. And if you'll allow me, I, I just want go to go in prayer to the only one who can do something for you. And I wasn't gifted at prayer, but I just launched into a prayer and a conversation with God and, and asked him for his peace and his mercy and his love and healing, yes, for my mom right there in the oncologist's office. And when I was young and, and just with two kids at the time, maybe 30 years old, uh, I remember having a routine physical and the doctor noticed several lymph nodes that were just, you know, on steroids and, and enlarged. And he's like, that could be lymphoma. And he said, I got to schedule some surgery. Those have to come out immediately. And you can imagine the stress and the anxiety. And so I decided that when I got home, I was just going to schedule some much needed time on these knees and opening up the Bible. And I was just pouring through the Psalms and the book of Proverbs for hours, just pouring my heart out to Jesus for comfort. And then some of you might remember this. I had posted it on Facebook years ago, but three years anyway, uh, my wife and I got that dreaded 1 a.m. phone call. The week prior, our sister-in-law had lost her battle to cancer. And then her brother, my wife's brother, uh, was, was still sort of wrestling with that. We were planning for the funeral and the memorial, but we got the 1 a.m. phone call from his neighbor that said he took his own life. And what do you do? I mean, oftentimes people say, oh, you know, just sort of bury that under the carpet. Don't tell anybody about it. That's embarrassing. Don't. But we, we just said, no, we gotta let our friends know. And we need our friends to be lifting us up in prayer. You see, we can find comfort in Jesus when we share our sorrows with him in prayer even if we're not that good at it. And, and we can find comfort in Jesus by clinging to his message of hope in the scripture. We don't have to know all the scriptures. We just have to open it up. And, and our heart has to be right. And our posture has to be right. And we're gonna read those words and cry those words out loud. We can find comfort in Jesus by letting our community of Christ followers know what's going on in our lives. We can't keep it hidden in the dark. We've got to shine the light on it and let them lift us up in prayer. The truth is, Jesus didn't come to remove all the pain and suffering and evil from this world. He came to usher his kingdom in. That's why he came. And we're reminded all throughout scripture that while our problems don't magically disappear just because we say yes to Jesus, become a Christ follower and get baptized, no, but we are promised that in those sufferings, we are never, ever alone. And maybe that's why you're here today. Maybe you just need to hear, you're not alone. Jesus is not going to leave you. He will not leave you. His promise is that if we draw near to him, he will draw near to us. And so when it comes to the evil and the suffering that we face in our present world, my first encouragement is to find comfort in Jesus. And my second is to find hope. Find hope in Jesus And and, and in his letter to the church in in the city of Ephesus, the apostle Paul, Paul was an eyewitness with the resurrected Jesus Christ. He writes half the New Testament and he writes some astonishing words here. He says that we have hope. We can have hope because of the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. He says it's available to all of us. Think about that. The power 
that raised Jesus from the dead is available to you and me in the midst of our pain and our suffering. The spirit of the living God can help us overcome whatever this world throws our way. And we see glimpses of this resurrection power and how God redeems our pain and suffering and works it for the good. Although I think when you and I are in the midst of that pain and in that suffering, you know, we think to ourselves, you know, that nothing good can come from it. And we don't like it in the moment and we dread it and we hate it and we don't even know if we can take a step forward, but we need to take a step forward because when we get to the other side of it, it's then we can look back and we see how God has been at work and how he shaped us and molded us and, and, and caused us to persevere and, and strengthened our faith. Again, Tim Keller, he says, many people admit that most of what they really needed for success in life came through their most difficult and painful experiences. And he writes that after being a cancer survivor. That's how he wrote those words. And again, I, I, I don't know what you're going through today or, or what God is trying to bring from it, but for anyone doubting that God can bring good from whatever it is you're going through, listen to this promise. Paul writes to the church in Rome, and he says, and we know that in all things, all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who've been called according to his purpose. Not everything happens for a reason. But God can bring good from everything, everything that happens in your life and mine. But how could a good God allow evil and suffering? Sometimes I don't have an answer. And I don't have or won't give you a bumper sticker answer, but here's what I do know. I do know that we need to take comfort and be reminded that as we look into the past, uh, we are promised and we are encouraged that that is not the world God created in the beginning. No, he created a perfect world. But he also created free will and choice and with it comes those complications. And we can look to the future and, and we can find comfort in those words that the apostle John wrote in the book of Revelation. And we know that whatever we're going through is not going to have the final say, the last word. And where those two meet is, is right here in, in the present and so we know, we know that the reason is not because Jesus doesn't love us. No, he loves us so much that he entered into this world and he died on a cross for you and for me. So is everything sad going to come untrue? Jesus' answer is a resounding yes. And that's because he who is seated on the throne says, I am making everything would you pray with me? Lord God, God's tough subject, big question. And God, my prayer is first and foremost to anyone here, Lord, going through a difficult time, something that they are suffering from, Lord. And I pray that your word right here, God, would not return void in their lives, Lord, but that it would give hope and encouragement, Lord. May they know that you are loved. May they feel the power of your Holy Spirit right here and right now. And God, as they turn to you, God, I pray that you will draw close to them. And the same power that you used to raise Jesus from the dead, Lord, that you would use it so that they can overcome pain and suffering. And God, for everyone else in this room, God, may these words be on our minds, God, that we can be an encouragement and a blessing. God, for whoever is going through a difficult time in, in, in our lives, God, that we can bring comfort through these words. Help us to do that, Lord. And God, may we not lose our faith in you. 
but may you strengthen our faith through your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.